We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to the Peachtree Pod. I'm Jack Grossman. He's Phil Baker, Georgia Tech, Massive Void over North Carolina. That's what we're talking about today, right? Yeah, you were yeah. in attendance, right? I you was. Were giving, yeah, no, yeah. You were giving the updates of uh, it was cheaper to go to Seagull Braun, get blown <laughs> out in Atlanta uh, versus going to uh, UNC and Mini, uh, Mighty Mouse, I should say. Uh, Damon Stoudemire just doing work down in Georgia yeah, Tech. Yeah, they are doing work. They beat uh, North Carolina and Duke. So we're go- in the same season at home in year one, which I guess is technically year zero based off of uh, what we've seen from year one head coaches in massive rebuilds. But, yeah, in reality, obviously, it's Floyd Street's finest. He's Phil Baker. I'm Jack Grossman from ESPN Louisville. Mark Lieberman uh, is traveling this week at, at busy schedule. I have my weird ass work schedule. weren't able to get anything to work out, but super, super, super happy to have my guy Phil Baker on. Phil, welcome to the pod, my man. ESPN Louisville Plus Sunday morning hangover. Does everything else? Everything yeah, Phil and whatever ESPN Louisville. <laughs> I think I got the bat signal uh, from Nikki V last night. Uh, we're playing V Show uh, later today, so no, I appreciate you having me. I know you've been busting your butt on this, and it, it's nice to be a part of the Rolodex. I feel like Charlie Strong and the seventh being the seventh choice being uh, asked to uh, coach at <laughs> Texas, but uh, I will gladly take it. You will not get a cowboy hat for me, but uh, nonetheless, I'm happy to be here with my guy, the Minch of the Midwest, Jack Grossman. Does that name still work now that I'm down? Uh, I guess you're kind of in the Southeast. Doesn't have the uh, same jingle to it, does it? Yeah, no, I I like mentioned Midwest better. That sounds better. But anyways, Phil, very, very good to have you on. We'll get in to obviously we're we're not going to talk Georgia Tech for for 45 minutes, even though that would probably be more entertaining on on some levels. That was a really fun game uh, um, to cap off a really, really wild night of college basketball on Tuesday night where you see, again, Georgia Tech beat North Carolina, South Carolina, Lamont Paris' squad. 
backing up their blowout win over Kentucky with a win in Tennessee. Marquette Villanova was wild. I mean, uh, Indiana, Iowa, it was cursed. I mean, I, I know that does that. I'm the only one that cares about that game, but that's we we don't need to get we don't need to go there. But but Louisville falls to Clemson for a trend that's really picked up the last month or so, and that's they fall behind big early. They come back, make it competitive late, but in the end, it's not enough to actually win the game. So, Phil, I have a thought on this. Okay. Because I, I, I'm kind of seeing this every every game now. It's you know they fall behind whether it's by 18 to Duke, I think 18 to Carolina in the first half, uh, 12 nothing to NC State, um, you know 41 to 13, obviously Virginia, and and last night Tuesday night down 25 or 24 rather 55 31 against Clemson. And then they kind of almost flip a switch, I guess, is what people are saying they do. They they battle back. They get within five, six points. And then they end up, you know, not being able to win the game. So here's my thought. I'm starting to, and, and last time on the pod, Mark, Coach Lieberman kind of alluded to this, where I was trying to give Louisville some credit after they they were able to battle back some against North Carolina. And he kind of pointed out, like, is it so much so Louisville battling back or is it the other team taking their pedal off the cat, off the gas? And for me, the more I watch it, the more I'm less inclined to just give Louisville all this credit for not quit. Yes. Is it good that they didn't quit and lose by 35 like they did, did against Wake Forest? Sure. But when you keep doing the same thing of falling behind really, really big and being down 18, 20, 22 points early in games, I mean, I was, you know, to be completely honest, I was stuck in traffic in a parking garage listening to the end of the first half last night after the Carolina-Georgia Tech game. And Paul Rogers, I'm not going to say it's a direct quote because I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but when, when Clemson won on that run late in the first half, he said something along the lines of, and again, this Paul Rogers was the most, you know, respected. He, 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 yeah, respected, you know, trustworthy, honest people. He goes something along the lines of, at least Louisville waited until the end of the first half to collapse this time. It, it was something along those lines. It, it was. And and I'm not and I'm I'm going out of my way to, to say that's not a direct quote because I don't have the direct quote, but it was something along the lines of at least they wait until the end of the first half to collapse this time. And for me, yes, you can you can give them credit for not quitting. Yes, you can give them credit for battling back. But the narrative of, oh, this shows how much talent they have. And I'm not doing – please do not construe this as I'm trying to do this as a way to back Kenny Payne. But if they have all this talent and they have this ability, then have some damn pride and play that hard from the get-go. Because if you're going to just – try to make it look better when you're down 25. I don't really care about that at this point. You're not doing enough to win the game. And Phil, I'm sorry that I'm monologuing here. No, go, but, go. You're you're good, man. Keep but, going, But man. for me, when you play a team, I think the differences between playing North Carolina and Duke and doing it again in, in games against Clemson, NC State, kind of Virginia, because, you know, they were down 4-1-13. They lost by 17. How much of a moral victory that it, it, it's not. But especially NC State – Clemson and even Miami when those teams which Miami I didn't think cared at all about that game at any point in time but 
But when teams like NC State and Clemson get out to those big leads, it's different from when you battle back from Carolina and Duke because those two teams, especially Carolina, Carolina's a legit top three, top five team, even after losing to Georgia Tech. Duke's in the top 10 right now. When when those two teams take the foot off the gas, start coasting, and kind of let you back into it, they're good enough to where they can step on your throat again, flip that switch back on, and be able to stretch that back out to 15, 16, 18 points. NC State and Clemson, they're mid. They're, they're, they're fine. They're whatever. B.J. Hall's a really good player, but like both those teams are just kind of whatever. Those two teams don't have that same luxury that a Carolina or a Duke have to where they start coasting after getting a big lead. They can't flip that switch back on. So to me, that's that's why, you know, Louisville makes those runs and they end up losing by, still losing by like 20 to Carolina Duke, but but it's more competitive against NC State and clubs. And to me, it, I look at it and I'll get your thoughts on this, Phil. You just got to be able to sustain that for 40 minutes at some point. And Louisville doing it in the second half when they're already down big, I'm just over that conversation of they're they're showing fight by good for them and and let's have a moral victory for them being down 25 and losing by eight. No, I I appreciate the opening monologue and it's it's interesting because take you and I out of it. Peyton Siva is saying this on Twitter as well. What you yeah, just and, said, and, and, and I love Peyton Siva. He's, yeah, you know he's one of my favorite Louisville players of all times, and he knows ball. He knows way more ball than I ever will. But to 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 your point, it, it's like okay. We, we, we last year was the black cloud last year. It was kind of put on some of the players weren't into this necessarily buying into what Kenny Payne to get his guys in. Okay. At what point can you turn the page in it? And I think they're getting there. They got a talented recruiting class and I were in agreement with that. Uh, but it, at what point can it turn the page to, okay, now we got to put together a complete game. And and that's the interesting conversation that I think kind of flies under the radar because I always say we open our show on Sunday or when we fill in or I'm helping out with Strebel or Ennis. It's like there's four different silos that you can break down or buckets, if you will, that you can break down the Louisville basketball program. There's the game itself that really people don't want to dive into. Like, I, I, that's why I appreciate you because it's like you want to react to it. You know, guys like Maben and Rummage try to do their best. But, you know, then it comes to zero to coaching search, which I, I know it, it gets tiresome because you and I love this sport oh so much. And it just breaks our heart that you're just doing that with about a, over a month left in the season to go. Uh, and then, two, it goes to the press conference as a whole and reacting to what Kenny Payne is going to say or not say. And people get mad and just kind of I one A to one B to that. The off the, the court stuff with Karan Davis still go, showing up the games. I heard you and Strebel talking about that. Um, and, and then it, it just goes to, you know, the next person that's going to be up, which I guess follows up with the coaching search. But I, I think something that flies under the radar. And I, I'm, I'm curious because I'm seeing it a little bit and I'm not saying that it's right. But it is not an excuse, but something that's flying under the radar. The injuries. And I, I, I don't, I'm not putting a ton of stock into it, but, and I, I know the island is dwindling of what people are <laughs> supporting getting paid. But I, I am curious how it's viewed from those that still supported the administration, the athletic department, Josh Hurd. I know he said he's not into moral victories, but I, I'm curious of, fighting back in the second half that uh, you and I fundamentally disagree on it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the administration, and the athletic department think. If that's going to um, lead to any sort of momentum for a, 
I, I can't even fathom it, but a, a, a an extra year. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't think those are valid concerns. But it's something that I think the contingency and Kenny Payne may have a point about that. But there, there were things that were transpiring before the season. Um, I'm sorry, earlier in the season, I should say, that led you to believe that this wasn't getting better. But just something that's kind of flying under the radar that I don't think a lot of people are really talking about uh, just with the overall uh, viewpoint of the basketball season thus far. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? There's part of me that wants to say that's a fair point because, you know, the Louisville literally played that game Tuesday night without a point guard. Even before Sky Clark got hurt, Sky Clark's more of a two-guard instead of, instead of a point. And and you can look at that and say they didn't have an assist until the twelve minute mark of the second half, which I don't care who the hell hell your roster is. That, that that's unacceptable. But right. but you, if you look at that just in a vacuum of that game, you can make that argument. The problem is this has been a thing for two years for Louisville, where where look, they I'm don't they you. don't move I'm the ball, you. they don't pass the ball, they they don't set other guys up. They had that five game stretch where they were shooting over forty five percent from the field. Every game, first time in five years, they've done that. And then what do they do against Virginia and Clemson? They go back to one pass, no passes, just try to drive, straight line drive to the hole with no ball movement, no no player movement, no nothing. You just completely reverted back to what you were doing when you were struggling on the offensive end. And, and to me, there's such a bigger picture side of it to where, yes, the injuries are unfortunate and, and they're clearly not playing with a full deck of cards both in the front court the last, you know, six weeks or so, and and then now in the back court as well. But when you have so many other things that have gone wrong, both on and off the court for two years now, it, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to give you that, that excuse. Like, like for example, I- Indiana last night, I, I know people probably get annoyed when I break it to Indiana. I'm an Indiana grad. It happens. Indiana on Tuesday night, they're playing Malik Renew. Sprained, who's been Indiana's best player by far this year, not even close. Sprained his ankle three minutes in the game, out the rest of the game. Khalil Ware is playing through two ankle injuries at this point. He's wincing after dunks. That's probably their second best player. Xavier Johnson, who's been in and out of the lineup all year, breaks his, it looks like he broke his wrist, separated his shoulder, did something on a dunk late in the first half. They're playing three starters down. And if they go on the rest of the year, don't make the NCAA tournament, and those dudes are in and out of the lineup the rest of the year, people aren't going to blame the injuries and give that as an excuse for why why Mike Woodson and, and year three were a failure. And which, by the way, they were able to, to beat a middling Iowa team even with, with all those injury issues last night, but I don't think that's sustainable for them long-term, if especially Renew's going to be out long-term. But, but you, you don't It's just get, something that I've been yeah. hearing from Danny Manning's press conference and Kenny Payne. Like uh, Kenny Payne, and I don't know how often now that you're in Atlanta, listen to some of his press conferences like throughout the week. But, I get the highlights. Is well, kind of but but <laughs> Kenny Spencer, I want to say, asked him a question about what J.J. Tra- and it wasn't it, it wasn't a patinoism or a prickly Mac kind of clapback, but it was almost like, yeah, he's like, no, he kind of chuckled. Kenny Payne is like, well, no one's asked me about JJ and what he means to this team. So I, I'm beginning to see some of these seeds planted as a, as a narrative, right, right or wrong, but it, it's, it's beginning. Danny Manning said it when he filled in for him, the press conference. So I, I'm just curious what that conversation is like as we inch closer to the end of the season, what it looks like uh, there is going to be a change. And I and I think the Indiana comparison is not so I can shoehorn Indiana into this. It's just saying, yes, there's injuries, 
Yes, you know, J.J. Trainer was was an important – played an important role for this team. Yes, Tyler Johnson's been kind of the guy that's stirred the drink for you offensively. Yes, Sky Clark is your leading scorer. But at, at the same time, you don't get that benefit of doubt when, when things were so bad. I mean, you had all those guys. You guys, plus Dennis Evans, when you lost to Arkansas State, Agreed. they got blown out. You had all those guys when you lost – to oh no they did not have JJ Trainer when they lost to Paul they I will I will point that out but but they had all those guys when they lost to um who was it even earlier in the year after they after they uh, you you had, Chattanooga yeah, when Chattanooga, they lost to Chattanooga Kentucky Wesleyan yeah. in the exhibition game so no I I think ultimately what's and we talked about this on the ESPN Louisville Plus sidecast shameless plug our, our buddy Jeff Lisey you can listen to him on 93.9 Saturday mornings Justin Sofro uh Bob Nikki V we're uh, all on there, but it, I, I hate it because it just goes zero to who's up next. And I, I think that more interesting conversation because there's still meat on the bone of just the season as a whole of a, a complicated situation of now you have donors that are tweeting about the, um, like the, after the year one comments, I don't know how much you and Leibs talked about that last go around, but that's something where you know, Aaron Flaker, who's a part of a name all over the UFL baseball stuff. You've had Rick Hebert who not as direct as uh, Aaron Flaker, but names on the practice facility in a sharing Rick Patino clips from St. John's talking about how he hates losing and everything like that. And it just feels Gives him like frostbite. And, <laughs> right. And, and, it, and it may not be uh, directly It may not be directed at KP because obviously there's history with Rick Petito here, but it sure comes across that way. And that's where Twitter takes it and runs with it. So I think ultimately that's what's going to be the driving force to, for Josh Hurd to make a decision, especially with more and more donors becoming vocal after the year zeros, year one comment uh, and whatnot, depending what year you're in. But that's what's been fascinating to me. And then as you've pointed out uh, multiple times, the, the stuff off the court is just head scratching and just, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you well, can throw I, I Davis the- off the jumbo trod. I think they put Karan Davis on the jumbotron, man. I, I'm telling you, man, I'm this like, is, this like, is I, our I, game. So, well, actually, guys, we could have helped them. We could have helped. It's like, hey, I think that's Karan Davis there. Maybe stay away from Bob. Put him yeah, there. I, I know I know it's not a big crowd right now, but you don't need to put that guy on when you're down 56 to 28 to Virginia in the second half. That's just it, – it, it's no one's fault on, on that front, but it, it's just – of course. It's it just, of course, with Louisville basketball at this point, that that that, that – that's a bad luck into that, but that's still, you know, uh, it's just an unfortunate thing. But what, what? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To kind of tie things all together here, Phil, uh, you, you want some X's and O's? I'll give you some X's yes, and O's. Yes, please. So, at, so Louisville did have a chance to win that game against Clemson, despite everything. On Tuesday night, after you know being outscored 29-9, falling behind 24, not having an assist until the 12-minute mark, Louisville fights their way back, whatever you want to call it. Clemson, you know, I, 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 would, I would give it, you know, more – Clemson caught the 1045 flight down to Cancun, joined up with, you know, the Dodgers there getting ready for spring training. But they cut the lead to six with 335 left. You have a real chance to win this game at that point. Down 62-56, 335 left. If you're going to, you know, fight this narrative that I've been building out for you here at the start of this podcast, you go win this game. Instead, here's the next three possessions. In this game, Clemson is able to run a set piece to use a soccer term there, there, but they run a play to where they get the ball in the high post, have a high, low action. Look, very, very easy feed to PJ Hall for a drop step layup. Louisville didn't pressure the ball. They didn't prevent the Clemson guys from getting to the spot to where they wanted to. They were able to get that high post feed easy. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who, P.J. Hall absolutely dominated in this game, despite Hall having a bad shooting night from the outside on both ends of the floor. Huntley Hatfield had his worst game in probably two months. I'm not going to rail on him too much, too much, as he's been really consistently good for a little bit. a bright spot, yeah. Yes, but but you know P.J. Hall had his number last uh, on on Tuesday night. It didn't happen sometimes, but Huntley Hatfield does not fight for post positioning to where Hall catches it easy, drops up layup. Now you're down eight. Next possession down, Jovanovic misses a layup and then fouls Hall on a rebound to put them in a one-on-one. Then Hall misses the free throw, but you give up an offensive rebound off of the missed free throw. One of you know, the Cardinals sends a coaching. And then they end up working the ball around second chance on the possession. They get the ball back to Hall. Huntley Hatfield does better initial work of pushing Hall back, back outside of the paint a little bit when he catches the ball. But then they let him just kind of sit there and evaluate his options, don't pressure him at all, and Huntley Hatfield backs off of him a little bit to where now Hall's comfortable. He's in his spot. He knows what he wants to do. Curtis Williams tries a weak dig on him when he tries to cut to the basket off of a post move, but it's not a good dig. It doesn't affect what he's doing at all. Easy, easy post move, baby hook. Now you're down 10. And at that point... Clemson kind of did all they could to try to help you back in it again after that missing free throw, serve the ball over, doing all that stuff. But it didn't matter. Louisville had their chance to go out and win that game, and they had two atrocious defensive possessions followed by with a missed layup and a foul 94 feet from the basket in between. You you want me to give you the injury excuse? You want me to give you anything else? You had your chance in that game to go win that game. And you peed down your leg for three possessions. 
And at some point it has to correlate the wins. I mean, I, yes. that's the elephant in the room that I know everyone keeps talking about it, but I, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's just, I know D'Lo had a foul after a missed layup at the end of the game that kind of people were scratching their heads. And it just, it just seems to be one thing after another. And, and what was conveyed to me, um, cause I, it was an interesting conversation that we had, uh, last night uh, on the ESPN Louisville plus sidecast, we were trying to discuss, it's like, what do you think of this coaching staff? Like, what do you think ultimately of how it's perceived? Like if they do in fact move on, which it looks like it's turning that direction. Like where do these guys end up after that? And, and, and I, and I'm curious cause I, I think they're all for the most part, pretty respected. Like, I mean, I know there's some bits of stuff here locally that maybe has you scratching your head, but I think from the optics standpoint, like Nolan Smith was a top 40 under 40 caliber assistant coach on the rise from all those metrics that were out there. Danny Manning, by all accounts, seems to be a uh, pretty respected. Kenny Payne, you know how everyone loses their mind when he smiles after a post game. So he seems to be a, a, a likable guy uh, for that. Not real sure what Josh Jameson does, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, but I, I think when you just kind of break down just this and it, what people say, Joe Lenardi had only three teams in, in bracketology from the ACC. It, what's tr- projected as a bad, bad ACC. Well, you gotta I, I get. Think I would put Wake Forest in. Just I, I, know, very yeah, I think it's since up that I, I agree with you on that. I'm, I know Steve Forbes was kind of the hipster pick last go around that. It was kind of off the radar when we were talking coaching, but yeah, he's building something special down there too. So when you put all this into the crock pot and stew it up, uh, it, it seems in Damon Stoudemire and Shrewsbury at Notre Dame with what they're doing at year one. I get it. Like, I, I understand you can use the cloud and everything that's transpired. But at what point can you turn the page? That's always been my 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 go back to if you are the biggest KP supporter, at what point does the page turn? And because obviously you were able to do decent in the recruiting and in the transfer portal and the recruiting, like you had a top six, top seven class. And we had somebody on the text line and I don't mean to just like pinpoint on this guy, but he, he was battling Nick and I on, on Sunday last week. He was like, you, your eye test can tell you that this team doesn't have talent. I was like, I can't have that conversation. So you mean to tell me out of the top 10 teams, from 247 that has Kentucky, Duke, I think they were ranked ahead of Indiana and, and, and uh, Baylor and Kansas and are right around the same thing of the defending national champs, Connecticut. They all got it right in terms of so evaluating talent, but but they didn't. I'm not saying it's it's I'm not saying it's the 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 measuring stick all the time, but it's got to count for something. So if you can't rely on that uh, and you constantly keep going back to the well of okay. Uh, you know, they're almost there. There's fight. Well, at what point does that fight correlate to wins? And I know he's saying they're young. I know they're saying there's injuries, but ultimately that's what's going to be uh, the nail in the coffin, dare I say, I think for this coaching staff is it's just there's just not enough wins. And it's a favorable schedule, although some of the teams that they have coming up on their schedule at the end, the tail end of this, I- I'm curious what the conversation is if they do start peeling off some wins. Yeah, that, that's, kinda- that's an interesting conversation. Yeah, and kind of the conversation that I remember um, uh, having on the pod a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was when I was with uh, with, with Mark Addis on the pod, um, was was that, you know, they had this stretch coming up to where the ACC is not a good league. I, I, I still think it's better this year Agreed. than it's been the last couple Agreed. of years, but that's not saying much because it's been really bad the last few years. But they had this stretch that they just completed where they played, you know, NC State, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Duke, Virginia, Clemson. That that's the top of the league right there. That the and they lost all those games, obviously. But the question would be was 
would those games break their spirit in terms of what comes up after that to where, you know, Florida State, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, then Duke, um, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Boston College, and the season, those are all pretty bad teams. They are. <laughs> I mean, they're not great, uh, other than obviously Duke. I mean, Syracuse is technically on the bubble, but they lost to Boston College on Tuesday night. So, I, so I, the I, conversation I, becomes, and again, they have one win in conference play, so I'm not projecting any wins on there. But you could make the argument that there could be some wins along the way. Does it matter? No, because right okay, now that, that, that's where I'm, that, that's where I'm at too. I just want to make sure we're on the same page with that because collectively, I, I don't know. Sometimes if I'm working at the station in the fishbowl that is there, uh, and I hear the same things over and over again, in absolutes. I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a good comparison for this. Okay. So Saturday, I'm at work during the Virginia game, and and I have it on my laptop. I have the sound on, just you know. Just because I'm I'm working, but like I'm trying to watch also, and just kind of paying attention. I'm watching one basketball of my friends, Benny yeah, on the clock. Exactly. Yeah, what one, one of my friends is um is working at, at the desk next to me, and I've been the guy that you know all my friends down here in Atlanta who who don't give a crap about college basketball or obviously Louisville basketball. That I've I've been the dude that just is the annoying guy that that just keeps bringing it up. Good, yeah. And yeah, I've been I've been just kind of showing them all the ridiculousness that's gone on with Louisville basketball. And this is one of my better friends, friend that's I'm sitting next to. And we're watching the first half while, while we're working. And, you know, we're looking at, okay, they're three for 21 from the field. They have nine points or three minutes left in the first half. They're now 41 to 13 at halftime. And not going to lie, if you don't laugh, you get angry. And I would rather be, I would rather, you know, just kind of, not, not that it, it, it's sad is what it is, but like, you're, but like, it's just like unbelievable. It's like an unbelievable funny how bad it was 41 to 13 for, you know, this guy, guy that, that, you know, has, has never seen any of it like this. You know, he's right. sitting there, he's just kind of laughing at it. My, my friend is, and he turns to me at halftime. He goes, I now understand why you're so obsessed with this. <laughs> It's just, and he says, I didn't realize how bad it actually was that you were, that, that, that everything you kept saying with it. I'm like, yeah. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to to the club, man. But, but I think that's, that's the out, when you talk about like truly out of the circle, out of the fan base part of it, when someone gets exposed to it for the first time, just the shell shocked of it, like you can't, you can't you can't describe how bad it is until you actually sit down and watch it. Well, and for and, me, and you're sitting there at 10 and 38 to where, yeah, let's say they, they win a few games of, you know, Ken Palm gives them a 45% chance to be Georgia tech at home, a 55% chance to be Notre Dame at home. You want a couple of those games, maybe you pick off um, a, a Virginia tech or a Boston college or, or a Syracuse, something like that. At the end, if you do that, you're at what nine wins, 10 wins. It, it still doesn't matter. No, I, I, it's I'm, not with enough. You. I, I'm just, yeah, no, I trust me. I, and I'm with you. It's just, 
sometimes I feel like we're too close to it at the station because we hear it and it feels like a lot of things, not to like take a slide at anybody from the callers, the hosts, a lot of the same things get regurgitated. And it was the same thing with the Kenny Payne when you were doing shows there. We, you and I had massive reservations about and concerns. Kern was like first time head coach and got crushed for it. Um, and it's funny because now, you know, the Calipari coaching tree and everything like that, that you see over and over again, but you, you could buy into some of the stocks elite recruiter um, in the connections at the Nike EYBL connection like that matters. But for whatever reason, and I think that athletic piece, and, and that was probably the most eye-opening thing to me, just the deep dive on that from a random objective uh, journalist who didn't have a dog in the fight, just how he perceived it. And that was, sometimes you got to get away from that too. You know, I, I watch some of the Field of 68 stuff and I see, you know, Goodman and, and, and Hummel have the discussion and Hummel just perception. It's like, it's a mess there. And it's like, Okay, like it is, but like that that's that's behind it. Like, you know, it's just you can't keep using it as a crutch over and over again because then it, it seeps down. The team believes it, the coach believes it, it's a victim mentality. Yeah. And, and you got at some point, like if you keep relying on that, like I inherited a mess. What do you think the players think when they hear that from the head coach? Yeah, I mean that I mean, that's, that's why <laughs> that, that that's where I go to who the next guy is, no matter who they hire. That dude needs to come in. Balls to the wall and say, look, I don't care what's happened here. It's a new era. There, and, and he has to embrace the pressure that the fan base is going to put on him to win and win quickly. Because, you know, it's not Kenny Payne's fault that Louisville was 13 and 19 and had the extortion scandal or the FBI stuff or, or the long history of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, Louisville, when they miss the NCAA tournament this year, is going to miss it. Yes, they would have made it, obviously, as, as like a 3 or 14, 2020, but that'd be five straight years without NCAA tournament, four straight NCAA tournaments missed that you could have played in. It's the first time Louisville would miss four straight NCAA tournaments they could have played in since 1958. That's crazy. I mean, and, and I think... And, 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 and I get it. Two of those were not Kenny Payne. He won on the staff, but at some point, there's that sense of urgency from the fan base to where they want to win. They want to. They want to be competitive, and well, and it's a and, realistic expectation that yeah. as one of the top six or seven programs historically, you can be one of the sixty-eight teams yes. to make the tournament. I understand people aren't weren't expecting Kenny Payne to go to the Final Four national championship game in year one, uh, even the second weekend. It's expected to be with the budget and the resources you have there to be one of sixty-eight teams. That's not an unreasonable request right. at all. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, 
you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field. One five eight. Uh, I go back to I don't know if you saw this last night because I want to ask you about the Trilly Donovan tweets that were out there. Then uh, Mick Cronin is apparently now off the board. Uh, yeah, we were, we were going to get there. Yep. <laughs> uh, but did you see the Eric Crawford tweet last night? He said somebody asked him. Um, Robert Sherman asked him. So I'm stealing this content from him. who's our next coach, Eric. And I guess I didn't want to go down this route, but this is what I had my uh, Twitter sphere opened up or X says I, Eric Crawford said, I don't have a good feel, so I'm not weighing in. I do think. Uh, most of what's out there now is just chatter. I think there are legit candidates who have hardly been mentioned. And I'm sorry, in a few, I want to get this right. As I you are getting lots of talk that may not yes. be among the finalists. I yes. would imagine eight. And, and, and here's, here's a big point I'm at. I imagine agents are pretty active getting names out, but the more serious you are, the less you want your name out there right Precisely. now. Precisely. That, that's where I'm at. When I look at Louisville financially, and I know I've said this, Many times, times here, but but it, it, I feel like it's worth saying it again. The guys at State of Louisville did the open records request to where Louisville between 2018 and 2026 are paying $39.9 million in buyouts. Yeah, eventually Kenny Payne's $8 million on top of it. That's $47.9, basically $48 million in buyouts. Plus, you add in the additional layer of Louisville's not in the SEC or the Big Ten. They don't have, while the ACC makes good money, off the TV deals, it's not nearly as much. That gap that everyone keeps talking about is a large gap that does matter and makes a difference in how much money you have to pay for it. That doesn't even get into all the other stuff of of the donors and 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 the jurage stuff and, and all that stuff. Like I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from that side of it. Just the the hard facts of forty eight million dollars in, in in buyout money. Plus, not having the open pocketbook that the SEC and Big Ten schools have. So I look at a dude like Eric Musselman, and if he takes the job, that would be spectacular for Louisville. I think he he would do a great job, be a great fit, and he's the type of guy that's proven that he could go somewhere and win immediately. He did that in Arkansas, he did that in Nevada, and he has a really good understanding of the transfer portal. And yes, I get it. He hasn't had the greatest year this year, but I, I'll take the dude that had two elite eights in a sweet 16 the previous three years and, and trust him to figure it out personally. But, but to say that, that Arkansas, that Louisville can just money whip Arkansas because they're traditionally a better basketball program is foolish because, Ar- because Arkansas one has the sec money two, other than Kentucky, they might care about basketball more than any other school in the sec. And, and yes, that's obviously a massive drop from UK, but 
But, you know, they have a good, a really good atmosphere at Bud Walton Arena. I'd love to get there one day. It looks like a lot of fun for a big game. But three, even they have the Walmart money, man. <laughs> like, like people don't talk about that. But, but I think it was, um, uh, I was talking to, to you know, Strebel. He said he had a guest on last week where UK played Arkansas. He asked and said, yeah, no, they would open up the Walmart money for Eric Musselman. So, so for me, him getting his name out there, and, and I and again, I have nothing to back this up. This is just me speculating for just the pure idea of speculating. I could totally see Eric Musselman doing this, the same type of thing Bruce Pearl did, where his agents just trying to get his name out there, there just so he can get another. Oh, you're not happy with me right now? Just know others are still uh, think I'm exactly. I, I, I'm a high tier coach. No, I I completely agree. I think Rutherford put something out. Um, and I know our buddy Ty Spaulding shared something from his head on LSL and said, watch out for this. Like, this is going to be something that happens. And, and this is something Ennis, I, I could have kissed his beautiful bald head on the forehead. And just I was like, it, it's exactly how I felt uh, in regards to, you know, the prearranged marriage. It felt like with Chris Mack, which upset a lot of the former players, if you go back to that. And Vince Tyree, not by their, a lot of former players optics, not doing a due diligence and, and at least talking to Kenny Payne. Then the next one, uh, and it's funny, I heard you and Greer talking about a few earlier uh, this year with you. We were talking about the Greg, you brought up Greg Gar, and he's like, I said that? I was like, he I've, did been, say I've, that. I've been taking that and running with it on Same. the show when I fill in. So it's like, I hope you said it because I'm either slandering you or completely making that up. But anyways, it was conveyed that I would, from my recall, and maybe it was just our discussions with you and I, it was Kenny Payne, mid-major coach, or somebody like Greg Gar, Matt McMahon were like the ones kind of in that scope of who Louisville could get. And people lost their mind over somebody like Greg Gar. Yeah. And, and Jack, you're a basketball bidding. Where is Wisconsin ranked right now? Uh, in the top 10, and they play Purdue on Sunday. And if they win that game, they'll have a two-game lead in the Big Ten. Bingo. The reason I ask that, and I bring that up, if – I don't want Josh Hurd to listen to sports talk radio. I know it's terrible unless he wants to have an AirPod in for ESPN Louisville, but not listen whenever this comes up. Uh, I don't want him to listen to you. I'm sorry, Jackie Gross. I don't want him That's to listen fair. to former players. I don't want him to listen to donors. If he, in his heart of heart, because I think he'll probably hire another another search firm, uh, just, <laughs> boy, what we're in the wrong business, Jackie Grossman. I know. I, we got to get it on that. Man. We got to get on that. Uh, Grossman and Baker. We need another name to sound like a <laughs> legit uh, Jewish uh, yes. <laughs> entity on that. But if he has somebody who's off the radar, who is a non-sexy name, I'm okay with it. I, I'm going to sit back because it, it's his decision and nobody else's. And he will have to, because it's a career move for him too. Like he can't sit there and hide behind an interim, this go around. Like this is something that is going to have to be a make or break type of hire for him. And, you know, it, it, it's just fascinating to me because we go zero to big names and you have to have a big ego and you got to win the press conference. I'm open to anything, my man. Like that, that's kind of how where I'm at right now. I, I've seen the Indiana State coach around. I've seen Iowa State. I'll listen to everything. I've seen Lamont Paris at South Carolina. But as Double D and Blank have said multiple times, you win, you get to a couple wins in March. Boy, your profile goes up a little bit and you, you show up on people's radars. There may be somebody, and that's why I thought Eric Crawford's tweet was so interesting. There may be some folks that are just putting their name out there to uh, maybe get a little extra payday and get an extension. It's like, oh, I'm not having the best year right now. Well, others are highly, you know, considering me in, in some regards. So 
but I'm open to anyone in any discussion and an open dialogue about why it could work here because there's not that sure thing out there right now. There's some that may be perceived better than others, but when you talk about, oh, I, I want somebody that has Final Four experience, do you know how difficult that is to get somebody? Like, if Scott Drew, he won a national championship in Baylor, he's been there two decades and has a brand new arena. Like, just because he's from Indiana, like, that's his own thing down there. You know, like, I, I, I'm i open for, look, I would love for it to happen. Somebody like Kelvin Sampson, who I think, not to be an ageist, Bob, sorry, but I, I think he would be a great fit here. But he's got a great thing going, a powerhouse going down there. So it may be a dose of reality of just kind of the pecking order. I think you can have those discussions, but, man, I, I don't know if it's just going to be the, the, the prearranged marriage like with Chris Mack and just laser focused on KP and then even going back to the Patino stuff. I mean, he had to be convinced because it was like Michigan was in the mix. I think this is going to be a fascinating just couple weeks or months after. <laughs> hopefully it's under a month. Whoever that next coach is, if in fact Josh Hurd decides to go that route. Yeah, and it's uncharted territory for Louisville because, you know, you just said it. It's been since 1971 since Louisville's had an actual coaching search. For basketball, which and and I'm sure there's historians that could go into more detail about how Denny Crum was hired. I, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know if if he was you know kind of preordained as the dude or if um or if or if they did an actual search and delete to him. Obviously, whatever it was, it worked out. But but it's been at least about what. 50 years since Louisville's head. And it's going to be a dose of reality, man. Like I... Yeah. Cause I mean, like even the, the big name guys, I mean, Musselman hasn't had the greatest year. Jerome Tang hasn't had the greatest year. Um, you know, uh, Mick Cronin obviously has had a really, really rough year at UCLA. Uh, all, all these dudes that you've kind of considered as these are the frontline guys haven't had great seasons. I mean, Scott Drew's still in the top 15. He's really good, but I, I still think that's, more of a pipe dream there, if anything else. That that would obviously, I think he would be the absolute best dude you could agreed. Get, agreed. but that's that that that's like um uh, Kentucky fans and, and Billy Donovan type type stuff. There, there it's got it's kind of how I feel about about that. To where I back in the day to really go back in the time machine there, but I just uh, uh, on the agent stuff because like the names I've heard, like I don't know a lot. I'm very much on the outside. The few things I have heard have come from people who have talked to sports agents. And that's kind of the names that I've gotten to where, where I'm like, okay. Um, that's you almost have to take it with that grain of salt. So like, you know, I had one person tell me Chaka smart. What would be interested that to me? It's like, why would Chaka smart leave Marquette? Yeah. Where he's from there. He's got from there. He's already, he's already taken the big swing with Texas and it didn't go great. To where you know he took the money, he took he took the high profile job, and it really didn't work great. Now he's at Marquette, which is probably you know a top twenty job in the country, and has a really you know their own good tradition, and have been to Final Fours, won a national championship with Al McGuire, and he has that thing rolling where they're in the top ten, top fifteen year in year out right now. They won the Big East last year. They were a two seed. They're probably going to be a two or three, maybe a four seed this year. Why would he leave that at this point? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I, and I think it would be an experiment more maybe like the Tennessee coaching search with Josh Heupel, where it was a kind of a non, you know, people were excited, but it wasn't. It's like, OK, like, show me, prove to me. And then a, a fun first year. <laughs> and people yeah, like, that's the thing. If, if you win games, it really doesn't matter. And, and that's where I go back to, you know, 
You know, um, uh, obviously the Chris Beard discourse has been really heating up this past week. And, and here's kind of, I want to get your thoughts on, on him also, Phil. I mean, it, it's a tough conversation to have. Yeah. I don't know what the right answer is, but I'll, I'll say this. Taking my personal thoughts out of it, when you look at sports and the sports culture, you can be, you know, he wasn't convicted. It was all out alleged what he did, but but you can have personal issues in sports and some can call it a second chance. Some can call it just turning a blind eye to it, whichever way you want to phrase it, but you can do bad things and still be universally loved in sports and still be a winner and, and win games. Because at the end of the day, if you win games and you win championships, win titles, people look the other way on that type of stuff. Yeah, it, and know, I don't know I, if that's right or wrong, but that's just how it is, and it no, gets proven I, over and it, over again, no matter what sport you want to look at. And and again, I, I mean this in yes, because it is a difficult discussion to talk about. But to your point, um, I, I heard Ennis and Biscuit, and I think Griever joined them to talk about it. Not all, not all alleged, you know, baggage things are the same thing or at the right. same level. I, like Will I, Wade I, baggage and Chris Beard baggage are two totally two diff- different things, precisely. Uh, but what I think it comes at, as you pointed out, alleged, um, and, and I understand the fatigue from the Louisville fans on that. I, I really do. Before you joined uh, Strebel and Anna yesterday, they had a very impassioned discussion about it, and, and James, our buddy James Black on there too. And, and it was funny to me because my thing is, and it, this is, take Chris Beard out of it, because I know you're talking about it, but just baggage, Kelvin Sampson, Will Wade, anybody with baggage, you know, they, they were going back and forth, Anna and Strebel, Kentucky folks, that were essentially saying, aren't you tired and fatigued of being the laughing stock? And I was like, let me ask you this. Let's just play devil's advocate. And again, I want to reset over and over again. This is not just about Chris Beard. It's any coach that you deem that has baggage. You've tried the nice guy thing. You make fun of Scott Satterfield and the L's down and everything. He got everybody at the station. Uh, <laughs> most you didn't get a bottle or I didn't get a bottle. A lot of people bourbon bottles at the station. I would have liked Tried to have the nice a bottle. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would say there. Um, Kenny Payne smiles after losing. How's that going for him? You know, you, you, you tried these with the altar boys and, and all these things. And it's not the diminished because all baggage is not the, equal to the same. I understand the fatigue of a lot of Louisville fans. I, I truly do. But do you, in my opinion, this is just me. I think the damage is already done. I know a lot of people have already have said over and over again, the athletic department's worked really hard to try and fix its perception. You have friends in Atlanta that you've met since your time down there. What is, when they think of Louisville basketball, how do they think of it? Strippers and hookers in the dorm. And there it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And and, and yes, I I did quote Pat 40 on that. (laughs) So I I, I think it's just a, When you keep worrying about everything, and I understand within the fan base, like serious allegations with with the beard stuff, but you know the, the Kelvin Sampson and, and Will Wade, not the same. I get it. I understand the fatigue. I, I truly do. But if, if you're trying to appease everybody in the athletic world, with like in my opinion, I think the damage is already done with that. I, in my opinion, do not think that Chris Beard is as realistic because I think the conversations have been out there. They kind of threw him a lifeline at it, Ole Miss. I know it. It looks like his buyout would be obtainable, but coaches are wired a little bit differently to where they think they can take on any and all challenges and 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 make it work and kind of be the hero and rewrite their history. And it, it's funny because you know, like. Again, not trying to be the, the one up. What's the difference between a guinea pig and a rat? 
One has a good PR agent. <laughs> I'll say this. I mean, Chris Beard's also the same dude that took the UNLV job and then left for Texas Tech two weeks later. Right. <laughs> so, so like that, I was just Googling to make sure that, it, that, that to confirm it was, it was like 98% sure. It's like, so I, I do think that, you know, it, it would honestly help Louisville that Ole Miss was kind of the first school to take him. I would think honestly, and, and I'll, I'll say this, like, and, and kind of the big point I was, I, I, I was kind of getting at is it doesn't really matter what type of person you are. If you win games, people don't care. Right. And, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. And that being said, there are a lot of different types of personalities that way. Like I, I kind of disagree with, with the, the kind of the segment of Louisville fans that are, that, that kind of make the point of you can only win with an, with an asshole. <laughs> like, oh, it was used against Bobby Petrino when he was here of saying they didn't know where his office was. He's too mean to the kids. Satterfield's yeah. going to love him up. So uh, to your point, it, it's the moving of the goalposts that, that, to create your argument for what you ultimately want to have happen. Right. And I think it goes back to the point of people usually want the opposite of what they had, had um, of what, what the fired coach was. But I, I think, you know, Jerome Tangs, you know, had the long thing about loving up his players earlier earlier this year and he was in the elite eight last year you know scott drew's whole thing is like wholesomeness friendship family he's a big religion guy and he won a national championship and built a monster at baylor i i i i think you, you can have a lot of different personalities that win just the question does does it come down to will you win games and if you win games whether you're a saint or an asshat and, and i'm not and i and i'm not just calling beard and ass, I don't, I don't want in to, general, I, it's yeah, a blanket yeah, statement just, on yes. anybody. I mean, coaches, I've heard, uh, you know, muscleman's prickly. It could go with him. Like if he doesn't mesh well with the media, like he, he's a jerk after a couple of losses and like these things and these narratives get created when things aren't going well and how do they react to it? Yeah, I think that, that's, that was always my thing with Chris Mack. People got mad at Chris Mack saying, you know, he didn't handle the media. Well, he didn't handle the Louisville job. Well, people weren't saying that the first two years when he took a team that was an NIT team under David Padgett, lost its four four leading scores and made the NCAA tournament, was ranked number one year two, was going to be a, probably a three or four seed. People didn't care about that until he stopped winning games. They take it a step further. I think his name's Mason Holden from WHS 11. Asked Kenny Payne the question, what halftime adjustments did you make? Paul Rogers on 93.9 DeVille asked Kenny Payne. It, it, God bless Paul. You, you talked about him just being as professional as can be. It's like, is it fair to say the basketball IQ it isn't quite there. Paul Rogers asked Kenny paid that. And it's just so to your point with the media, all that stuff brushes over. If you're winning, people don't care about what assistant coaches maybe wearing Nikes. Uh, maybe that's a little bit other of a different discussion. That's uh, the only people, Louisville fans care. Precisely. No, yeah. Like no <laughs> yeah, one the, the, stops. The, the, I send it to my little group message. Stuff, yeah. I, I send it to my little group message because I laugh about it, but it just, it keeps piling on little, it's like a thousand little paper cuts. And that's what I think think ultimately he's going to make the decision but uh, I, I know that uh, we tried to avoid the coaching conversation but it's inevitable you're like Thanos because I know you don't understand that reference because you watch nothing I actually have seen most of the Marvel movies now wow that is a shocker that is a shocker <laughs> uh, from you I did not have you as that. I just thought you're watching Sports Center for the seventh straight hour or something like that or no, recaps the baseball tonight uh or something from uh back in <laughs> from 2018 the, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching 1998 baseball tonight to see all the Sammy Sosa <laughs> yeah that's what I'm doing. Well, that that's basically we we, we I felt like we had it on the coaching search stuff today because it's just been such such a big topic this week, and, and I'm happy we did. But Phil, really, really appreciate the time. I'll be back um, with Coach Lieberman. I think we're planning on Sunday or Monday, kind of getting back out there. But really, really appreciate the time. Time again, we'll get you back on here here as well, man. Of course, man. Appreciate you anytime, man.